Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 34 of Abe Council, show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the TF Joker. Joker, what's crack, brother? What's going on? Well, PT, I'm not too bad. Honestly, not too bad. Uh, you know, coming up to the middle of January, fair enough. But most importantly, we're coming up to the Rumble season, baby. And it's my favorite premium live event that I have ever premium live evented. And just so I'm actually super hyped right now uh, just, to, just to experience the Rumble again. Favorite time of the year. Can you hear the rumble? It's calling. <laughs> I don't even, I forget who sings that song. Either way, yeah, it's coming up to the kind of just big uh, pay-per-view, obviously, and it's coming up to your birthday soon. Yeah, this is the day, the, the, the rumble is the day before my birthday. So whenever we do record that episode, it'll be out on my birthday. So yeah, 100%. It's just probably because of the timing of the rumble being associated with that in my mind it's always been my favorite so yeah another year another you know i'm just going to ignore it though because i'm getting up in numbers and uh just gonna forget about it forget about it uh, I, I feel you brother it's it's a time for just kind of excitement obviously with the rumble itself because it's always just a fun match to watch and then obviously the outcome leading into mania season so with your birthday and and Royal Rumble, I can I can understand why you are a bit excited to kind of see what's going to happen. So yeah, I uh, I feel you, brother. There could be some payoff, you know. There could be some small little bit of payoff for anything. Um, most importantly, you know, I suppose like Cody Rhodes coming back, and you know that's just the biggest of deals. So he's going to see if the company, and it's all it's all fine by me. Mm, the defector is going to save the company. Interesting. What are you smelling? <laughs> WCW in 96 over here? Hey, look. Hey, look. Without getting into too much, uh, I think I didn't, uh, without getting into too much business talk, there's reasons why that company might soon die. So let's just say Cody Rhodes is the savior of WWE. Leave it at that. It's been certainly a whirlwind tornado if you will of news outside of the ring so in the world of wrestling so very tumultuous very roller coaster uh that is sometimes known as the american roller coaster cody Rhodes. but yeah hopefully we're gonna see obviously what's gonna happen inside the ring and outside the ring but hot diggity let's hope that all of the things encompassed are land on a positive note for everybody involved 100%. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming along on the journey with us, and hopefully you are looking forward to positive things as well. All right. As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form at wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Adam Cole returns to AEW and the Elite win the best of seven series for the AEW Trios Championship. But, coming up first. Adam Cole Bebe returns to AEW. So, 
The nature of the sort of unannounced return slash debuts have been a little bit of a reoccurring thing for Tony Khan's promotion here. And it was interesting to note before we get into the segment itself, the little comment that Excalibur and Taz mentioned on commentary is that the segment itself, which apparently was a shoot, the segment in their rundown was listed as TBD. So even they didn't know. Which was kind of cool. Yeah, that was so. that was great. I, I I love that little bit. It's like we didn't know who this was. It was just sitting on our sheet. It's TBD. He's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I I like the fact that not everything has to be told to the commentators. I know, uh, Jim Ross multiple years ago said that he didn't like to be told of some things because he liked to be in the dark on on because he was on the call. He had to give that genuine excitement. So, I mean, I really like the, the genuine excitement these two, uh, these two lads were giving out. Excellent notion of bringing up JR. And then I think Bischoff in the WCW days would do that to his announcers where he'd give them like just enough, but like wouldn't spoil it so that when they were announcing and they were commentating, give like your actual legit reaction to the, to the moment in question. So I, I can see the positives and negatives to it for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's probably better that, um, Two hype guys like Excalibur and uh, Taz were pretty much left in the dark for this one. Yeah. So we get into the segment here. Uh, Tony Giovanni is in the ring and says he takes no pleasure in welcoming his next guest, Adam Cole Bebe. His video comes on the Titantron. He makes his way to the ring and to a raucous ovation. Folks are chanting his name, singing along Adam Cole, Bebe, to his song and everything, and he's doing the boom and the, the, ad, and the Adam Cole taunt, if you will, if you're familiar with video games. But yeah, it was great to kind of see just the reaction he gets from the crowd. So we get Cole gets on the mic and asks, who's ready for story time, Bebe? Adam's been thinking all day about what exactly he was going to say when he came out here. And the best way to describe the conversations we're about to have is this is a good news and bad news situation. Starting with the good news, Adam has a whole new appreciation for not just pro wrestling, but his life. Since he was nine, all he's ever wanted to do was be a pro wrestler. And he's got to do some awesome stuff, like be here for the best pro wrestling company, AEW, in Los Angeles. It also made Adam realize how much he missed getting in, getting to be in the middle of the ring with the fans. The past few months, Adam was really banged up. He had shoulder torn to shreds, two back-to-back really serious head injuries, and he got scared. He was getting MRIs, he had headaches and dizzy spells, and if he was in a car for 15 minutes, he'd get nauseous and throw up. But the worst part was the sleep. Laying up with emotions and anxiety, and he'd have to just get up out of bed at four in the morning and pace. Waking up and scaring Britt, his girlfriend, because he didn't know what was happening to him. The thing is, none of us knew what was happening either, but so many of the fans were here for him. So to echo that last point, so many of the fans were here for him. You can hear it in the crowd, as I mentioned at the top of this segment, when that video came on the Tron, and folks realized it was Adam Cole, and he came out, the ovation he got, it was one of those, those sort of cliche, the roof was coming off the building, 
you could definitely feel the energy in the building. Oh, hundred percent. Um, the start of his, the start of his theme kind of goes, uh, you know, it's all about, and then it goes boom. But by the time it got to the, everybody had twigged what was happening and the roof blew off because everybody was like, oh my God, what's going on? Um, and out pops Adam Cole to do Adam Cole baby things. Um, this this kind of walk down was just, I think Taz was on commentary, said, just, just drink it all in, just take it all in, Adam, you know. And, and you could tell that he was super excited to be there and super happy. And, you know, he was, he was kind of toning himself down a wee bit because um, his pace picked up. Now, whenever he actually debuted, he got all the timings wrong on his, uh, on his entrance whenever he debuted, just to go back a while. Um, and he took a long time to come to the ring because, yes, he was drinking in, but this time he got those timings right. <laughs> he got to the ring and he goes, boom, and he does Adam Cole, baby. Um, but all the way down, the entire uh, Kia Forum was just raucous in there singing along. Normally it's only judas by uh by jericho um and his band fozzy that that song is the only one that's really ever sang along to if you don't count jungle boy but um the uh the fact that it was everybody was just going boom and adam cole baby just it was so great to see and it was just a really good heartwarming feeling to see this all happen and the start of this uh, segment sort of uh takes shape it was really good to see Adam Cole back in the ring because he's just one of those guys that you like. You're super, he's super charismatic. He's very entertaining and he is just very good in the ring. Adam has one of those kind of unique qualities where, like you just mentioned to echo that last sentiment, he's, he's a solid hand in the ring. He's just got this, this, this swagger, this, this charisma that, you really can't teach either have it or you don't type of thing. And, and again, it's kind of charisma. You can help somebody with that, but it's one of those, you have it or you don't. And he's just sort of, he's got it in spades the way he can kind of smile or kind of just look at somebody and just kind of say things in a certain way. And you just get that reaction from a crowd and he, he just nails it. And the fans themselves, like they gravitate towards that, which is why he's been successful wherever he's gone. And can't say enough the crowd just man like i said blew off the roof of that and they were happy to see him and and you know it was it was one of those things where it reminds me in the entertainment business like for for wrestlers or like a musician maybe an actor if you haven't been sort of in the spotlight for a while you always creep in the back of your mind are the are are my fans or or is the the people going to remember me and am I going to be sort of a big deal or important as I think that I am? And the reaction that the crowd gave him was definitely apropos and let him know that the fans remembered him and appreciate him and, and yeah, were clamoring for him to be back. So absolutely, absolutely incredible. 100%. It is, it is very much a, and I believe we've kind of talked about it before, it's very much a, what have you done for me lately kind of business. Um, you know, whenever uh, Soraya came back, um, uh, we talked about her pop that she got whenever she came to the ring. 
whenever people realized it was her. Uh, whenever Edge came back in the Rumble of 2020. Um, so it, it, and there's other there's other people as well. Like whenever you go through and you see these uh, guys and girls who've gone through uh, really horrendous injuries, um, the pop that they get when they come back is just generally over the top and sometimes you never see that again um because people are kind of remembering the good points at why they're missing you like how good you were in the ring how good you were on the mic you know how good you were as a character things like this here like but everybody just remembers uh adam cole and some people remember chugs like Chug, you know his his twitch name chugs um you know Ad, you know People gravitate to him into party with uh with um Creed, Cesaro and uh Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. I was <laughs> I was completely blanking on his name, uh, which is just funny. Breezes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> just I was trying to remember the the tag team Breezango. I was like, oh yeah. Um so like, you know, I, I love watching what watching him as part of the party, what playing Uno. A game you and I have played for things like my birthday, your birthday, just generally uh, having fun. Like these guys are so much fun. It's so great to see him having fun with his friends. But you can tell that he missed this, and in this sort of um, heartfelt promo that he gave us, uh, he really kind of told us the dark side of concussion which we never really get to hear from the person who suffered a concussion because nobody wants to talk about it. And CTE for a long time was something that never really talked about and has really gone underappreciated in things like the NFL, in things like wrestling, um, and people still have major CTE issues. issues. Um from undiagnosed concussions. So it was great that he got these sorted and situated and he was under the road to recovery. And I echo the sentiment of one of the comments he made is like, I don't care if he never comes back to the ring. I just want him to have a healthy life. And I'm just happy now that he has come back and he is in the ring and is talking to us and telling us what's going on. Agreed. It's we get into the portion of Adam just telling it like it is. You know, he's he was scared, he's been dizzy, he's just been getting nauseous in cars and things as such and trouble sleeping. And it's a it's a scary side of folks going through injuries, having ailments, having having afflictions that sometimes you can be nervous or embarrassed to suffer in silence and you don't want to know. You don't want to tell anyone that you're that you're hurt. You don't want to tell anybody that you're you're suffering or you're in pain and things of such. But he shared it out in the open, and he let us know where he he's been at and why he's kind of been off. And we sort of him being vulnerable appreciates. And then as we get into the next portion of the promo here, it says every day Adam's been reading things like I miss Adam Cole. I hope Adam Cole is recovering all right. And I don't care if Adam Cole never wrestles again. I just want him to be okay. And that meant the world to Adam. And at the end of the day, pro wrestling is a give and take situation. Wrestlers give the fans everything that they have, and we show the fans appreciation. 
Adam gave the fans nothing for six months, and they were still there for him. And for that, Adam's eternally grateful. But now, for the bad news, it's not for him. The bad news is for the AEW locker room, because Adam Cole is back, and he's not going anywhere. He thought for sure he was finished, but instead, Adam's standing here saying, No way, I ain't done. Adam's been one of the best damn wrestlers on the planet for 15 years, and he won't stop until he's the very best. Adam's accomplished lots of amazing things in AEW, but let's be real, Adam Cole hasn't even scratched the surface of what he's capable of. He wants everybody in the building and at home to remember this day. The day the new Adam Cole is born. An Adam Cole who will make a promise. No matter how long it takes, one man will be at the top of the mountain in AEW, and his name is Adam Cole Baby. Fantastic recap and, and end to the promo itself. Puts himself over, makes himself important, letting him know that he's back, letting the fans know, and letting the locker room as you do as the wrestlers come back on notice. So I appreciated the roller coaster that we were on for this. High pop for him coming back, Adam being vulnerable, being grateful and appreciative and switching gears and just saying, you know what, I'm back, baby. And you're going to see a top flight Adam Cole. I feel like at some point we're going to get swerved. Okay? Now, the standard fare for promos is I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And everybody always wants to come in with that bad news. It's for the locker room. Or in Sarah's case, for Brit. Um, you know, they always come back and give it to that. I feel like at some point we're going to get swerved. The bad news is I am actually retiring. And I don't want that to ever happen. So I need people to stop using this good news, bad news shtick. It's giving me anxiety. Whenever I hear it's like, oh, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. It's like, right, yes, well, okay. I know I know right now that you're okay. But there is the possible case for someone down the line to really upset me here. So I really like the fact that um he he did kind of put everybody on notice and said, you know, he has done a lot while he's been in AEW, but he hasn't done a lot recently. Um, so it, it's really nice of him to address that. Um, because there was the whole thing, like, whenever he did uh sort of go away, it was just after the Forbidden Door, was whenever, you know, we saw the real big uh issues happen. Um uh, around that time, uh, I know there was a couple of episodes afterwards is when he actually left. But um, whenever you look back to that, you go, oh, it's been that long. But he hadn't actually won any titles. He was, he, he like Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, apologies, was always on our screens. There was actually at one point we were complaining that they were on our screens too much because they were always there but then he went away and now he needs to come back and he needs to build up back to where he was and start just putting everybody in their place you gotta find that right balance 
the nature of you don't want to be sort of overexposed or on too much where people might be getting sick of you. But then there's the other half of the coin where absence makes the heart grow fonder. And we he was away for six months. And you can, like we mentioned, the reaction from the crowd was fantastic. So we definitely missed him and we appreciate he's back. And Adam even mentioning a few of those messages like, we hope he's okay. And, and I think the one that really hit home is like, if, if, if Adam Cole just never wrestles again, I just, I hope he's okay, which is really goes to the nature of feeling and feeling and caring about someone, just not the internet wrestling community can be, you know, we have a lot of opinions. It can be divisive at some times. Toxic is the word. And folks argue over just different opinions, but the fact that, you know, folks can just be like, you know what, he's, he's, he's a person or a character that I enjoy and I'd love for him to wrestle, but I just, you know, I'd want him to be okay is, is, is rather heartwarming and just, just signs of, you know, just great humanity there. But then I'm in agreement as well that if he's healthy enough or safe enough to come back, sort of what, what's next for him? You know, the last time we saw him, coming off of the heels of winning the Owen Hart tournament. He won that cup, and then he was in the match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Forbidden Door. And then that's when he uh, stepped away. So I feel like kind of what's next for him, you know, just... I don't know exactly, maybe an opponent-wise, but... I feel like have at least have a couple strong matches to start at, at the least. What are you thinking? What's on your mind? 100% get him back in the winning ways. Don't need to have him on dark or dark elevation for those, for those squash matches, but still have him uh, put away a couple of people. Um, and, you, you know, I've heard, I've heard a couple of different uh, opinions about where he should and what he should go after. Uh, and it kind of all centers around the TNT championship as sort of a sort of an entry level. And yeah. at the same, in that kind of vein, it's like people are really talking about that because MJF is the current AEW champion and he deserves a semi-decent reign with that. Like he deserves a couple of challengers. We've already talked about, you know, our thoughts on MJF's title reign. Adam Cole coming back now wouldn't make sense to go straight in and, you know, go in against the MJF. Um, so my, my sort of thing is for him to have a title and be able to elevate it, which I think would be a really, really good thing for him to do with the TNT title because we have talked about that title before as well, where it, Kind of felt like it was a bit of hot potato, you know, going around, uh, see who wants to hold on to it next. I'm sort of happy that it's back on Darby for a bit of stability and hopefully a bit of sort of uh, uh, relevance again. But then I'm kind of conflicted because I want uh, Adam Cole to have a bit of a title run. Um, so I think for for Adam Cole's initial sort of run, he should just be building himself back up again. Um, making sure he has allies will probably be a sort of thing for him because he was never without Fish and O'Reilly. Fish now out of the company, company O'Reilly still out of the company. So 
who is he kind of going to lean on, be around? You know, the last time we saw him, he sort of burnt bridges with the elite. That was a little bit, eh? So I would like to see him build those bridges and then build himself towards going after the TNT title. And once having had a successful uh, TNT title reign, parlay that into a successful AEW title, uh, AEW heavyweight title opportunity, and uh, be the new, be the new uh, title holder by twenty twenty four. I wouldn't be mad at that. You kind of put it in perspective for me. Obviously, MJF holding the world title. We want to see sort of him have a strong program and and a bit of a title reign for that. So that conflicts with trying to make Adam Cole strong for that. So I can see TNT. Okay. My concern, or we talked about at length is sort of after Cody's held the championship, the sort of ping ponging between uh, Sammy on multiple occasions. We've had uh, Scorpio sky, a little bit of a Wardlow thing. It hasn't been sort of presented and, felt as much as a the number two title should be you know for the mid carters and and or just the non-world title contenders things that should so the the fact that we're already talking about trying to bring it back to prominence how i feel like we talk about it nauseum for the intercontinental championship but they're making waves in the fed to re-represent that but i feel like if we can have a if cole somehow winds his way into being the TNT champion and just has good reigns, has good matches, holds it for a bit and represents that title. I feel like, yeah, I can add a little bit of stability, like you mentioned, possibly with Darby having it now. And I feel like that could be a good fit. It was one of those where it was like, okay, now that you mentioned it, TNT kind of makes sense because MJF's got that. The All Atlantic, I was like, that's sort of the sort of tertiary so because we have like the world we have the sort of the tnt is kind of the the second most and maybe the atlantics maybe perceived as sort of the third most important in terms of the singles so i feel like that could make sense yeah just have them have them do that give them strong matches have them good challengers yeah okay i can dig that you mentioned the the old atlantic title there and it's one of those that People discount, and I discount as well. I'm not going to deny that I discount it. I really do. But the last couple of times it's been defended, there have been some really good matches for the All-Atlantic title. And even whenever Pac had it, like he was putting on some bangers over in the UK, you know, here in the UK. Um, and it's, it's something hard to, to kind of distinguish whether or not it is the better defended title or the TNT championship is the better defended title. I would argue from a sense of the quality of matches recently, the All-Atlantic title is actually in better standing than the TNT title. The only reason the TNT title has any uh, sort of heft to it is because of the people who have held it, the likes of your your Cody Rhodes, the likes of your Mr. Brody Lees. Um, you know, other other people have held it to lesser degrees of success um, than those two main individuals. Arguably, the third in that would be Darby Allen. Um, everybody else sort of had a little bit of a, a flirt with the belt and then kind of forgot about it. If you do kind of hearken that to the likes of the US title and the Intercontinental title in the Fed right now, 
those two belts have been elevated to standards which they have not seen in years um, because of the double belts on Roman. And arguably with the Intercontinental title on Gunther, um, it's the most prestigious it's been since the early 2000s because that belt went without a defense for two years on a pay-per-view. Like, was never defended, was practically just a belt clip for whoever held it. Um, and the US title is practically the same. Um, so I would really like to see if Adam Cole does sort of go after this TNT title for him to build that up. Darby to still have a decent reign, lay the groundwork with Darby because Darby is still an excellent talent to have and an excellent sort of person to have as the face of TNT for a while. And then have a little, you know, little, uh, a little kind of, uh, segue into him facing Adam Cole only for Adam to win and elevate that as the new title because MJF is not actively defending the AW title like say Mox was because we've talked about Mox always defending the title on Dynamite and Rampage you know against whoever he wanted because he always liked to fight so Adam Cole could probably sort of get under the skin of MJF once he had the belt to Possibly down the line, get his way into a heavyweight title shot with MJF. You know, if you peeve off MJF enough, he will entertain you. That seems to be how he works. So if Adam Cole can build up his stock and build up the title of the TNT to that of a greater degree, MJF will get pissed and he will come across and be like, Excuse me, sir. I'm going to put you in your place only for him to lose. Now, there would be steps in there for Cole to drop a belt um, and things like that there. But that is that is how I foresee it um, and how I think it would be good to happen because you would ele- not only elevate the TNT title, but you would bring back um, a face, Adam Cole, to defeat this sort of um, evil overlord of MJF and then retain, you know, regain the belt back to the good guys and all this here, only for uh, only for Adam Cole to really show his true colors then and be a be a bad guy all along, uh, which would be really really pretty much down to Adam Cole's character. I think you know he kind of flip flops a lot more than the Big Show ever did, um, but that's more down to his talk, his way of being. Touch on a couple of good points. I think the notion of the TNT versus the All Atlantic. I think the the TNT being around longer and have been held by a couple of more guys, like you have already mentioned, holds a little bit more, at least on the surface, prestige than the All Atlantic because of its short creation. But I'm in agreement. The two title holders, Pac and Orange Cassidy, taking nothing away from those guys, they have put on phenomenal matches. You can't really say that that title has had bad matches, really. I mean, you'd have to try to find. Like, there's not one I just be like, oh, yeah, that was a horrible match. So I think the nature of Cole holding one, probably the TNT and just making it strong is just probably a, a good route there. Then parlaying that into, all right, he's a big deal. It's being defended. Cole's making himself a, a strong presence making that belt a strong presence, 
and then parlay that into MJF, who doesn't like to be overshadowed, who doesn't like to feel like he's sort of the, the second best type of thing, to lead into something and sort of maybe naturally into a sort of program with MJF. So I could see that. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not mad at that. Sort of, if it can happen a bit more naturally, maybe in sort of along those lines, it would make sense and, and kind of feel sort of appropriate. But you, that last little point, you know, the, the nature of maybe face heel. When we, Adam Cole came back from this injury and made that re-debut or made that return. And part of that, part of that promo felt face-ish, you know, being vulnerable and kind of coming back. And I, now I'm coming for the locker room thing. So it seemed, if, for the most part, if I had to go with that, it's a baby face promo right there, baby. But we've seen... Cole, a majority of the time, be heel or be heel-ish, so I feel like it's one of those where he's not sort of on the ultimate end of the spectrum, where he's total white meat baby face, or he's just sort of horribly dastardly heel. He totes somewhere in the middle of that range, where sometimes when he's a face, he's, you know, he'll do sometimes like a heelish thing or something like that, or when he's a heel, he might throw like a, a smurs of a baby face type of thing, so. I feel like, yeah, you can tow that line until he sort of makes his stand. Possibly against the likes of an MJF or possibly against somebody else, but yeah, so. I feel, yeah, I feel like the sort of a tweener-ish type of thing, but slightly lean and heel makes most sense for Adam Cole. I don't disagree at all. Um, I, 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 I feel like, and this is sort of from an observation of someone who's kind of watched Adam Cole for a number of years now, and enjoyed his work from the Undisputed Era in NXT to uh, sort of main roster flirtation he had back to NXT and then on to AEW, and then him coming back now. Nothing to do with his indie stuff, which, you know, um, is, is, is a banger. You know, he's put on bangers everywhere um, and everything else. But if you consider his sort of status between heel and face, um, he's. 90% heel. And it's only he's only fierce because he actually is so damn popular. There was a lot of stuff in uh the Undisputed Era where they would be up against people who you would just be like, well, no, we like the Undisputed Era because they're they're charismatic, they're fun. Yes, they're bad guys, but you know, still. Like there was, there was actually a, a sort of confrontation between Keith Lee and Adam Cole. I'm sure people remember where Keith Lee punted, well, punted, shoulder charged Adam Cole into the third row, um, and Adam Cole was sort of like, you know, he was actually kind of babyface after that because he was actually manhandled by this big beast of a man in Keith Lee, and then you have the fact that he came up to the the main roster during the uh the whole survivor series thing where nxt was a part of that he was a major part of that but he was still a heel but people cheered that man because he was fantastic he was charismatic the stuff he was doing was excellent and now whenever you come back uh from a long-term injury like anybody does they will obviously get a big cheer like welcome back like <laughs> for example charlotte flair Everybody loves to hate Charlotte Flair, but she came back and she got a big warm welcome. Like, fair enough. 
Adam Cole comes back and he comes back to, you know, Adam Cole babies, you know, we love you, Adam, and all this here. Um, I, I can see him doing all this and then just keeping his spots and just, you know, not changing his spots at all and just being a heel and running on with that. And I'd be happy with that because it's it's still going to be Adam Cole. He's still going to put on bangers and he's still going to be a fantastic personality. He has those a little bit elements of the, the, the sort of Shawn Michaels syndrome where his offense, whether he's a heel or a face, has that crowd engagement sort of, you know, he'll do the Panama Sunrise or kind of all these different things, super kicks, where if crowd gets into it, so they, they're more inclined to make and a reaction and possibly cheer. But then also, like on the mic too, like you said, he's a bit of charismatic and whether he's maybe supposed to be a full-blown baby face or a heel like he just kind of gets you to react and you and there's people that just enjoy his work so i can understand yeah he if he's a heel but maybe depending on the opponent like all right man like i kind of like adam cole more in this matchup type of thing so i'm gonna kind of cheer when he does stuff so i get it but yeah i'm in agreement, jet he i think we're we're feeling like what's next for him strong matches hopefully into a uh a title reign to then further on lead into bigger and better things. I I'm I could feel that. I'm I'm with that. So just super stoked he's back. Yeah. Super stoked he's back. I agree. And so those were our thoughts on Adam Cole returning to AEW. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram and let us know what your thoughts were on Adam Cole returning to AEW. All right, coming up to our next topic here, the Elite, the, the Elite, win Best of Seven series against Death Triangle and win the AEW Trios Championship. As we mentioned before, this all started with the Elite returning at full gear and sort of having, which we didn't realize was match one, further down the line, retroactively put into a Best of Seven series which just culminated this past week, the second week in January, where we saw the Elite winning. So it's been quite the quite the piece and quite the journey of how we're getting there. And this particular matchup, the Game 7, as it's been called in the Los Angeles Kia Forum, as it's known now, is was quite the quite the ladder match, as you say. What were your just kind of initial thoughts? on watching the matchup itself absolute train wreck of things that happened like i'm not saying it was bad but it was there was it was <laughs> saying it was a dumpster fire or a train wreck makes it sound really bad but it was just so kind of all over the show and had a lot of uh big spot action uh involving chairs and stuff like this here uh, tables chairs ladders i'll eventually get to the correct uh, accoutrement but you know you, we we use we use these ladders in weird and wonderful ways in a lot of ladder matches and these guys just seem to come up with other ways to just really hurt each other uh in this in this ring and i was i was there for it and i wasn't there for it and then i was there for it again um it was fun yeah it's very intense when you can have a, a ladder match and we've seen six men or eight men when you have a lot of people in a ladder match per se like 
a lot of things involved, a lot of moving parts. There are, you know, trying to have some spots and things of such. But yeah, like you said, in the in not quite dumpster fire or sort of chaotic, but there's just there's a lot going on that you could miss or or things trying to be set up and guys getting spots in. So it can be potentially done well or sort of overwhelming. And you know, there was there was a lot going on in this match, which I, if I'm not mistaken, was maybe no more than 15 or so you know, minutes uh, in total. So it was pretty crazy. It was, it was packed with a lot of stuff in a rather short amount of time. So just mentioning just a few few pieces here, uh, sort of the highlights. Uh, started off with Omega during his entrance actually wearing the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, which he won uh, from Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom 17 the week before. They made note of that numerous times on commentary. For our thoughts on that match, sorry to interrupt you. For our yeah. thoughts on that match, by the way, you can check out last week's episode because that was a banger of a match. Nothing you can say that will take my enjoyment of that match between Omega and Osprey away because that was just fantastic. Absolutely. Feel free to check that one out for sure. Thank you for that. All right, just a couple of quick highlights again, just because there was so much going on. You have uh, Matt Jackson tried to climb a ladder, but Pac pulled him down. Matt cracked Penta with a destroyer. <laughs> oh my God, and we're getting into it already. Uh, and then Kenny snapped Ray Phoenix back with a half and half suplex, which is oh, nasty. Uh, Omega nailed Penta with a snapdragon suplex. Pac blasted Omega with a shotgun dropkick off the top turnbuckle, which is always just kind of just nasty looking. Mega fired back with a snapdragon again on Pac, and then Matt Jackson jumped over the top and smashed Pac through a table, which is one of the, which is one of the first times we'll see tables involved in here. And then uh, a couple pieces here: Matt Jackson dropped Penta onto a ladder, and Ray Phoenix sent Nick flying with a top rope Rana onto a ladder, which looks super vicious. And we now we have the fans chanting "Fight forever, fight forever." Again, just a couple of the sort of highlights. Man, some nasty, nasty looking stuff going on in here. Uh, a lot of moving parts. These guys trying to get a number of stats in. But I, I felt like the integration of putting the ladder into play. We had a couple of table spots here. Just, yeah, just a lot, a lot of stuff and high impact. And a lot of these things look like they hurt for sure. There's a couple of things that we're blessed with in this match and those things are Kenny Omega and Pac. Those two guys can sell and make you believe that they have just died from the most simple things. Like I've seen Pac take DDTs where he's just kind of headstanded, planked, and then just absolutely crumpled. You know, I've seen him take move after move and just kind of his body just absolutely does something weird and makes it look like he is completely ended. And Omega's the same. And Omega does some really cool moves. Well, like, the the, the Snapdragon uh, is is one of the most amazing-looking moves. Like, it honestly is so quick and, and looks brutal as well. And to give that to, like, Penta and Pac and things like us here, like, as soon as Pac takes anything, he just flies. Goes off the side of the ring, he's like, I've taken some damage, ping. Um, it's like physics doesn't actually, you know... Apply. 
Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't apply to him. And I think yeah. that was kind of the thing that they said in WWE, whatever that he was there is like the man that you just for the physics the man forgot. that gravity forgot. Gravity forgot is like it's just one of those things. Like he is just so amazing, and to have him in this match, I will forever praise Pac just for his in-ring ability and his selling ability. People can take or leave his character. You know, I I think this character is fantastic. The whole stuff with the hammer I thought was fantastic. Him trying to corrupt Phoenix, I loved it. Um, and the fact that he was in this match with, you know, the 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 Lucha Bros, the Elite, Kenny Omega, elevated him even more. Um, because we've seen. Uh, we've seen the Lucha Bros versus the Elite. You know, we've seen Phoenix versus Omega. We've seen uh, Penta versus Omega, I believe. We've never really seen Pac in a singles match with Omega on AWTV, I believe. Um, if if I forget, it's happened before early on. Yeah, it's happened. Before. Was it a singles though? Well, then I either didn't see it or I forgot it. This was super early on in AEW television run where Kenny was on his losing streak. Do I still have it? Am I still the best bout machine before he got into the tag right. ma- tag team with Hangman? Right. This is before the pandemic. You, correct. Yeah. This is early yeah, yeah. on in AEW television. Yeah. Pac lost a lot of credit in the pandemic because his visa uh, got taken. Uh, problems with the visa and obviously uh, the restrictions with the pandemic. So he lost all that time, all that sort of goodwill that he'd built up, all gone. And the fact that you know he's back in this situation where he has been, you know, we've talked about it previously uh, with the All Atlantic title. You know, he's been running really good matches with the uh, the trios titles. He's been just doing fantastic, wonderful things this last year. But those two years, 2020, 2021, he was really sort of gone. It was empty. It just was devoid of Pac. So to see him here elevates his stock for me even more. And I'm happy to see it. And I just absolutely love this car crash, train wreck, dumpster fire of a match because it had everything. It had uh, it had destroyers, it had super kicks, it had suplexes, it had uh, topes, it had ladders, it had tables. It was, it was nuts. And as a self-appointed hater of spot fests, I liked this enough. This was a spot fest. I will not deny that. It was a spot fest. But I liked this enough because there was enough different kind of spots between six guys, not two. I was about to mention you you aren't the biggest fan of of Spotfest so yeah but you still enjoyed this match. So. Mhm. Yeah, I'm in greens. I'm taking nothing away from the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers but yeah, Kenny and Pac. These guys great physical conditioning, uh crazy, you know, physical builds. The they have a certain look, a certain swagger. They're crazy athletic. These guys and the selling that both of these men do are sort of highlights, if you will, in this particular matchup and kind of center, centered around sort of a, a little bit more of the fun spot. So, 
I can agree that Pac maybe lost a little bit of momentum just being with the travel restrictions during the pandemic. So, but yeah, taking nothing away from the other four men, but these, yeah, these guys sort of were just putting it on display right there and they helped add to phenomenal parts in the match. 100%. All right. And just a couple more pieces in the matchup itself here. We have Nick Jackson went flying with a 450 splash to the outside through a table onto Penta, which was another crazy spot. Back climbed a ladder, but Alex Abrahantes shoved the ladder out of the way. A nice little piece here. We see Brandon Cutler try to neutralize Alex and sprays Alex in the eyes with the cold spray. So kind of fun. We get a little bit of Gaga in there as well. And then Pac cracked Kenny's hand with a hammer. So he gets one hand. And earlier in the matchup, we see him close the ladder on Kenny's other hand. So we see now kind of trying to neutralize sort of both hands within the matchup itself by Pac onto Kenny. And then Kenny ends up retaliating with a falcon arrow on the floor, which that thud when he hit was just sounded super rough. But we have Pac made the climb up the ladder, but Matt Jackson met him up there and Penta decimated Matt with a fear factory on the ladder, which was bridged on to the ropes, which looks super rough. And we have the finish of the match. Ray Phoenix climbed to the top of the ladder, but Kenny Omega met him. Kenny hits the one-winged angel off of the ladder onto Ray Phoenix. Pac jumped off the top turnbuckle for a black arrow attempt, but Kenny got the knees up. Kenny climbs the ladder, pulls down the titles, and the elite win and regain are now two-time AW World Trios champions. Another just, you talked about, mentioned a little bit of a spot fest, which this was, but had a little bit for everybody. A little bit of Gaga from Alex and Brandon. High impact. Had ladder spots. It had table spots. It had destroyers and super kicks and one wing angels and fear factors. And man, these guys just went for broke in this last match of the series and just put it all all on the line and put on quite the show and we see just the elite coming out on top and regaining like we said and now two-time aw trios champion i mean what else can you say about it like that that was really really pretty much it um i don't think the escalera de la muerte was my favorite match uh, by far, I think it probably was the false kind anywhere from two weeks ago. Um, maybe even just the first match might be up there because it was, you know, the worst one of the worst kept secrets. Uh, the elite was coming back, and you know, uh, teased on Twitter and stuff like this here, teased on, uh, teased in the uh, promos that uh, Park and guys were given. Um, so I mean I really like the first match, really like the the false coin anywhere. The Escalera do the more to like, you know, yeah, 100% spot fest, but you're not really going to get a wrestling mat classic in a six man tag. Um that's that's something that's very rare that's going to happen, I feel. Uh there probably will be at some point um some some form of mat wrestling in a six-man tag but i don't feel like it's going to be anything and for that reason i'm just kind of like a wee bit apprehensive about the trios tags um 
just in general because like we've already established i'm not a spot guy uh or spot fast guy rather i should say so they're gonna have to be really careful with this i'm glad that the the elite are back um we all knew that the elite were going to take these titles back there's plenty of people here were like uh complaining it's like oh my goodness they're three one down they're gonna come back and they're gonna win and you know and everything that you've heard about them's right it's like excuse me sorry they have the titles taken away from them they're gonna obviously have them back they're gonna give you seven amazing matches there is literally no reason for them to advertise a best of seven and not give us seven matches so if you thought for even a moment we were only gonna get four matches out of a best of seven please pinch yourself to wake yourself up because you're dreaming there's definitely no company that would ever do that. You'd be losing money. Ticket sales, come on. Seven matches? Are you kidding me? Always going to happen. So I really liked this entire idea. We talked about this before, like, you know, uh, with Best of Sevens having happened before. Um, it's always nice to have one of the parties go into the lead and then the other one to come back and threaten a takeover and then you know on all this here so i feel like um the previous matches were probably better than this one and it was really really well done by pack and death triangle as a whole to set up the premise uh for the threat of this entire best of seven which is that ball peen hammer because weeks prior you see pack starting to use the ball peen hammer to win his Atlantic title matches some trios matches things like this here and then you see them use it to uh to win this first match and you're like oh okay okay and phoenix doesn't get isn't too happy with that and phoenix uses it you know there's a real there's a real nice character driven story throughout here and it's for a hammer it was uh it was kind of fun to see that um pat can not only sell him sell other people's moves but he can also sell us a ball peen hammer it's fantastic yeah there's a lot to unpack there for sure the nature of it and subsequently now having a best of seven series this is this is wrestling okay if you're having a best of seven series it's going to seven if you think about the nature of entertainment and television shows or movies and wrestling to a certain degree, tension. Tension is what kind of brings you in, makes you feel uncomfortable, makes you want to find out a resolution about what's going to happen with these characters. So the fact that we got to match four, where the Death Triangle on December 14, and winter's coming, were up 3-1, you know, and then beating it into the ground, the uncommentation commentators were beating into the ground rather that you there hasn't been a comeback win from three one type of things on all these sports references and things of such so of course you're gonna have come to seven like you said to build suspense build drama tickets and things like that of course you're gonna have to go so made absolutely perfect sense for that yeah and having it the sort of whole matchups as a whole I think the series was, I think the sort of the most fun and you hit on it earlier was probably the first one to full gear because that was the return of the elite. It sort of came, it was officially announced either the Friday right before on rampage or uh, the dynamite, but shortly before the actual matchup was set 
So you had all these kind of just fun things leading in, and the matchup was fantastic. The and then which obviously ended in some controversy with the aforementioned hammer, and that came into play in the subsequent matchups. But yeah, I think the sort of first one, at least for me, was probably the most exciting. And I think the sixth matchup, which was the Falls Count Anywhere, which happened a couple weeks ago, was probably sort of the kind of most fun and kind of chaotic for that. But then, yeah, I think the latter match was a nice sort of ending sequence or sort of period on the sentence, if you will, for having this and kind of going there. So my my concern was, I told you early on when they kind of announced we're going to have seven best of seven series with this was, all right, are we going to get, my concern was like, okay, do you not have teams or whatever? Because you have to have seven matches between these two teams or, you know, or is this going to get, am I going to get disengaged because it's just these two teams having a match, you know, for the guts of eight or nine weeks, roughly type of thing, you know, really almost every week in, in some aspects. So, which the combination of the six men are very, very exciting and it's fun. And they offered a little bit different looks and feels to the matches themselves and we had the nature of a little story of the hammer itself kind of coming into play and then came into play on this last match so yeah i think luckily fans didn't turn on it it didn't become too long we got different looks it was still be engaging and fans that we saw were excited for the last matchup and like i mentioned my previous point these guys went out there and gave it socks and put everything into it and left it all out in the ring and gave us seven crazy good matches, which eased a little bit of my concern. So I appreciate all the effort that these guys put in to interesting story, but gave it there. 100%. I know we have talked about this before. There was you, whenever you'd mentioned, um, is there just not enough teams and stuff? And we did go through a lot of the teams that were at the time available. A couple of those teams, Trustbusters and Dark Order, uh, have sort of split, sort of kind of uh, been a little bit um, removed. But we do have a couple of teams that will probably be key players. Um, we've got the Mogul Affiliates now, uh, a new sort of uh, group with Swerve Strickland, um, Tim Parker and the Painted Man. Uh, will, you know, probably be a really good trios tag. Now, I think that this would be a layup for Parker to maybe have some singles runs down the line. Maybe him and the painted guy can have some tags. A swerve keeps his singles. You know, it, it's something along those lines. Uh, we have, obviously, the uh, House of Black uh, with our three resident spooky guys. Which I really, really want to see them used in a in a in a more um, uh, prominent place, let's say. Because at the minute I'm a wee bit eh, about them. I sort of need to kind of, kind of let them get revved up. Um, there's other teams I could sit here and 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 say what I want for them, but uh, there are teams. As far as how I feel like it's going to go, we'll have a couple of weeks where Matt and Nick can get rested. I feel like Matt, I think it was Matt, took a couple of nasty spills the last few matches. 
Nick also had some really bad uh, lower leg injuries at some point through the matches as well. So maybe a couple of weeks rest for them. Uh, and then we'll have a we'll have an interview segment with Renee Paquette. You know, Paquette Crisps is always really good on the interview sticks. So she'll come in she'll be like, well, what's what's next for you guys? It'll be interrupted by the next challenger, who they get handily beat, who get handily beaten, and then we go on to the real next challenger, and we'll have a sort of sequence of events going into there. I don't know who that could be because TK hasn't let me know. This is one of the things that he doesn't have his fingers in. It's more the elite kind of run this stuff, and you know, it's it's kind of their bag. Um, so it, it, it's fun to kind of theorize who could possibly be uh, the next the next things. But as far as people who could possibly dethrone um, the elite, I would like to see it be the House of Black eventually. I was as you were mentioning, I was like, I could see them, you know maybe taking a week off and then come up with an interview segment. And it instantly said it right before you mentioned it aloud backstage with Renee interviewing the elite. Somebody interrupts. That's their next challenger. I was like, wash, rinse, repeat formula, baby. If it works, if it's broke, don't fix it. So, you know, wrestling companies don't think we pay attention. I know the formula for yeah. a promo. When somebody comes back, I know the promo for a hail. I know how to get the next opponent in. Like, I'm not the only one that's noticed this sort of thing, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sometimes yeah. if it is steel, maybe you should fresh it up. Um, so I'd like to see that sort of thing. Um, I'd like to sort of see that sort of thing get revamped, as it were. Uh, but we know that that's, that's the kind of going rate and, uh, in, in wrestling. That's going to happen. Yeah, I could sort of see that. Now, who that could be, you know, we have some teams that you've mentioned a few, but I feel like with the nature of having these seven matches with the Elite and Death Triangle, these guys need to take a break from each other. These guys should not have a match with each other maybe until the next year. So 2024, maybe in January, February, you can, you can revisit this. But I feel like just so we don't burn out or folks don't turn on these guys, just let's just have a... Give him a chance to have another partner or dance partner, if you will, in some some aspects. So, yeah, I could see you. Me you mentioned the uh, Kings of the Black Throne with Buddy Murphy. So having the House of Black could be just a fun thing to do. The uh, you know Top Flight and AR Fox are another kind of fun different tag team that just kind of come up prominence, which they ended up beating uh, the Blackpool guys uh once and then so they've been gaining a bit of momentum had that holiday battle royale got the money there they won some money yeah yeah blackpool blackpool could potentially just blackpool have a club yeah. could have a nice fun match so there are contenders they can have some fun matches but have uh have some have some simpler things before we lead up to like a combo of of a of a blackpool like a combo of a house of black you know have a couple of folks before we get to that and yeah, I could see I could see definitely having a bit of a run, just making it fun. You mentioned in your previous comment about the the nature of kind of it sometimes being uh spot faster kind of sort of these these loosey goosey rules. I think it's the nature of the elite part of it's the the element of having the death triangle, specifically the Lucha Brothers, where in if you have Mexican promotions like CMLL or AAA, you have this little bit different sort of lucha tag rules where you have the legal person 
if they're gone to the outside, if they get knocked out of the ring, one of your team members can come in and be the legal man. So you don't need a specific attack. I, I S-canned you out of the ring. One of your teammates comes in as now the legal man. So you have the kind of that every once in a while, that sort of loosey goosey with, with the, we've seen in AEW specifically kind of like, you know, sometimes tags happen. These guys come in and do a move and then kind of get back on the apron. So, but I feel like with it, where I'm going with this is a different combination of guys. Say for example, if it's the elite versus the Blackpool guys, or if it's the elite versus the house of black, we won't get that maybe really, really toting the line of loosening the belt on those kind of rules. It might be a little bit more of a, of a tag match per se that we're seeing in the States, but either way I feel, and there, and there's kind of a place, you know, it's a fun and exciting style, you know, it might super bend the rules, but it is what it is. But yeah, I feel like a different combination or it might add a little bit different flavor with the, with the opponents of the elites. So with that being said, we have some strong contenders. I feel like we'll we'll get to see kind of fun matchups who the elite go up against. We'll get a little different flavor. I'm just hoping where we see with these titles go. You know, I feel like we want to make them important like any championship, but we'll see how it kind of goes going forward. 100%. And I just want to add on as well, like there was there was a couple of YouTube uh, videos that went up as well of uh, after the match where Kenny picked up a mic uh, and he did relay, you know, to everybody in attendance at the forum. Everybody should give uh, Death Triangle, which is a terrible name, their props and give them a round of applause. And, you know, um, th- this is 100%, you know, what we enjoy uh, about wrestling is you know the fact that this match happened and we got to see seven matches of really good high athleticism uh performances uh from some really really good good guys in their craft like you've got five high flyers and then Kenny Omega who is still a high enough flyer but is more high impact moves very quick um and more of a more of a speed guy but the, everybody else in that is is the kind of five high flyers, and he, he kind of made mention of that uh, as well. Uh, but it was really nice to see that even after all these seven matches, that uh, yeah, hundred percent that he can come out there and say, you know, this was fantastic. We wouldn't have been able to do it without uh, without the the Death Triangle. So please let them know, you know, give them a round of applause and stuff. And I, I can't echo that sentiment enough. Like this, this wouldn't have been as big a deal if it was any other team in AEW. I feel like this best of seven could only have happened with Death Triangle, um, and I feel like they were the best sort of foil for this best of seven. So I'm thankful we got this. I'm thankful not to see it again for quite a while. Agreed. Let them take a break from one another. Like I said, maybe we can revisit a match between any of these six guys maybe next year, but give them, give them a break so they can have some variety and, and kind of let their spread their wings and so they're different aspects of themselves. And I am in agreement with that. It's a series of unfortunate events that the Elite had to be stripped of the titles on their literally right after gaining it, but kudos to uh, Death Triangle, Triangulo de la Muerte, that these guys just held it down and showed that these titles can be 
represented well and, and be put into fun and engaging matchups. So kudos to them 100%. Echo Kenny's sentiment. And we'll, we have teams available to have awesome matchups. But let's see kind of where this goes going forward. So those were our thoughts on the Elite winning the AEW Trios Champions ships from the Death Triangle in the Best of Seven series. So let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know what your thoughts are. The Elite winning back the Trios Championship. All right, as we wind down today's episode, wrapping it up here, how was that for you, brother? That was a, that was a fun, fun show. I liked it. It was a good yeah. conversation. It was a good couple of positive. In, in a week of really negative news from the world of wrestling, I thought it was best that we try and focus on some of the bright spots of this week. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking with these, these, these two things. Um, love to see Adam Cole back. Love to see uh, really, really good matches and uh, this whole culmination of the best of seven. Um, was was a lot of fun. That's a really good comment. When we were talking about yesterday on our production call about kind of what we want to tackle. And like I said, there was a lot of sort of whirlwind kind of making the it's way bigger than it is sort of making a mountain from a molehill of rumors and speculation about stories kind of going around and a lot of stuff. And there was a lot of controversy and a kind of a lot of things and we saw not so great uh, elements coming out of the internet wrestling community because of these speculations and things that turned out to be untrue. But I appreciate that we, you, I talked it over with you and you brought like, Hey, let's, you know, a lot of stuff going on potentially on the uh, speculative or sort of negative side, but let's kind of bring in a couple of just fun elements. We talked about the Adam Cole return. Just, I don't care who you are. You just, you love to see somebody return to kind of do something that they love. So, of course, positive note. And just a really fun match for the best of seven. So, I appreciate you kind of helping me and giving me that perspective and, and zero me in. And I agree. Like, I know, yeah, it's just been a bit of a rough week. So, I appreciate that we can talk about a little bit of the the good that happened in wrestling. So, appreciate it. And for whenever there is actual news about this past week, you can be sure we'll talk about it, but for those of you in the know, we're not going to talk about it right now because it's all speculation and BS. Try and keep yourselves just thinking about what's fun about this. It is sports entertainment, wrestling, just, you know, absolutely fantastic entertainment, uh, feats of athleticism. Um, if you can't tell, I'm trying to be a bit more positive, uh, you know, of, of just had it with the negativity need to just push more positive i'm not going to try and spite a whole bunch of nonsense but you know let's just try and will into existence a whole bunch of positivity for 2023 especially in our uh our, our fun little getaway that is wrestling yeah i agree it'd be tough to just try and talk about rumors that end up just not being true and kind of have no substance so yeah it's one of those where all you're doing is just making up hypotheticals and speculating. So it'd be a tough, tough thing to talk about is you're absolutely being subjective and there's no objectivity in it. So 
Yeah. Hey, I prefer to do that about wrestling matches, not about wrestling companies. So mm. I'll, I'll stick to being, you know, the armchair booker here for, you know, Adam Cole's return to glory. I like just booking what I want to see in a wrestling match rather than, uh, you know, who's going to spend the most money. So, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that uh, everybody uh, should try and look forward to for their uh, for their wrestling content. I appreciate and as we try to focus on a little bit more of the substantial and more be more positive aspects of the wrestling universe. All right. So for TF Joker. Boom. There we go. And for me, pretty Tony, we thank you for your time. Letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.